Today we have a very special guest. Yes. Yes. Okay. We don't have a bio for him, but we do have an announcement. Raffaele Salvino. Let's deke into you, Google. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm so happy. I love it. I love it. Welcome to a Pondering Heart podcast. We're two friends learning and growing together in our Catholic faith. We'll talk about the triumphs and struggles that we face on our journey. And then we'll dive even deeper. My name is Amina Morrow. And I'm Rachel Wong. Let's ponder out loud together. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Pondering Heart podcast. My name is Amina Morrow, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Rachel Wong. Hello. And today we have a very special guest, Deacon Rafael Salvino. Hi, hi. Super excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, we're so happy to have you. Um, Deacon Raf, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself, who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I am Deacon Raf. I am born in this diocese and I I feel like just kind of like a, a, a local boy. I grew up in East Vancouver, lived there with uh, my family, my younger brothers. And even when I was going to university locally, I still lived there. And so the first time I moved out was in my mid twenties when I heard God inviting me to seminary. So I went, moved out to seminary on the other side of the diocese and still very much like felt like I was local here and felt that God was calling me to remain and serve in this area. And so happy to now be at a position where just a couple of months ago I was ordained entered holy orders and um, um, yeah getting ready to serve this this diocese serve the people that raised me so it's great i love it i'm right now at a uh, parish in uh, surrey at saint matthews we're so blessed to have you i'm, I'm totally biased because i'm a parishioner of saint matthews mm-hmm. but yeah we're so blessed to have you deacon raff kind words thank you so just to dip our toes a little bit and, and for our listeners to get to know you um, a little further, we prepared a few rapid fire questions if you're game. I'm game. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Let's go. Number one, favorite saint. Saint Joseph. Favorite spiritual book. Uh, In Sinu Jesu, which, uh, yeah, someone described it as St. Faustina's Diary for Men. However, Ooh. I think it's a great book. Nice. Nice. Okay. Go to guilty pleasure. Oh, coffee. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite childhood memory. Putting out these huge blankets on the front lawn and getting all the neighborhood boys together and just playing Lego. Oh. In the summer. In the summer. It was just a summer so thing. Cute. So how old were you when you were doing that? Uh, that continued until <laughs> I was about 12 because it was fun. <laughs> and I loved Lego. <laughs> I did not expect that. This is actually really funny, but since you mentioned coffee, what's your go-to coffee order? Flat white. Hmm. Flat white, yeah. Yep. Very good. What's your hidden talent? This, I'd love to be here. Look, like, I mean, I'm just so (laughs) humble here. Like, I just don't have any. Okay, cool. Um, I I can't claim humility here. I'm going to claim self-ignorance. I'm pretty sure I have a couple hidden talents. Uh, I've not done God the good justice of developing them. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. 
Cool. I'm working on my baking skills. <gasps> so that's that's Ooh. up and coming. Baking bread. I'm a Very love good. bread. So classic quarantine life, right? <laughs> exactly. Except there's yeast on the shelves this time. It's not exactly. all sold out. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> and then the final question, just because I feel like this is gonna make or break our friendship. But here we go. Oh gosh. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Does pineapple belong on pizza? That's not even a question. That's like saying, should the Pope change religions? We're getting... Okay, look, look. I'm, oh, man. Yes. Have I walked into a trap? Have I walked into no. a trap? Is this where you pull out a soundbite and you're like, Deacon disagrees with magisterial <laughs> teaching right on now, pineapple. <laughs> I don't like pineapple on pizza. Me I've too. made it known time and time again. But people, <laughs> people think I'm divisive. I'm like, oh, I just... I don't think that it should be there. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I really yeah. don't think it should, but I have to say this, and this is throwing a bone to the the other side. The, oh, there's this one brewery in East Vancouver that has like a very good pizza oven, and they made this pineapple pizza with this like pistachio glaze oh. on top, and it was actually really good. Oh, okay. And wow. uh, that's like that's like a little kind of guilty. You know what? We'll put that under go-to guilty pleasure. Okay, cool. But- <laughs> okay, cool. All right. I may be willing to convert. We'll have to give that a try. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for indulging us in those. I believe we can stay friends this way. Nice. Oh, nice. thank goodness. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Crisis averted. Yeah. Yes. There you go. As you mentioned, Deacon Raff, you were currently an ordained deacon in the Archdiocese of Vancouver. And I, I joke with priests and sisters and, and other religious folks that obviously there was a period of time before you entered into this life as a religious. I was wondering if you could share with us, and maybe that can serve as the foundation of our conversation um, today, how you discerned God's call uh, to enter into this beautiful vocation. Thanks, Rachel. Um, I find, yeah, I I really do want to start before seminary, because if only to dismantle this notion that priests are born priests. I mean, in God's eyes, according to our vocation, of course, you could say we're born in that. But um, I was one of those kids that grew up cradle Catholic, you know, don't remember my baptism because I was an infant, but I never thought about priesthood. Like it never appealed to me. I remember the seminarian posters when I was in elementary school. I remember the priest coming to visit us in the classroom, but there was never a thought that that was even something that God might call a man to. I thought it was just, you you were born knowing. And so why even entertain it? And so I went on my merry way in life and uh, I I just, I, I strove for what a lot of us strive for. Wanted to be happy in this life. And um, I came from a very loving family. And so I knew that like, I'd want to be a father someday. And, and I knew that at the end of the day, family was more important than career. But obviously, in, especially in high school, like you're, you're looking to set down the foundation for whatever your career is going to be. And really, that was, that was my life. Um, I'm now in the high school, talking about like the high school years, it was all about doing what I could to make myself like a well-rounded person so that I'd be much more employable and I could somehow punch out in terms of like what my interests were and develop those. And, you know, dating and all that, I'd worry about that in university. And religion for me was mostly about being a good person. And to anyone who's listening, please, please do not think that it's 
I'm critiquing anyone who says religion is about being a good person because like, like you can really, that's all I knew. That's all I knew. Like I just, I, I knew that the commandments were there to help me be a better person. Unfortunately, the unintended side effect was it felt like I had succeeded and, and won at religion because mm. I didn't break any of the major commandments or so I thought. And so, you know, career and, and shaping up for that presented way more of a challenge and an adventure and something to live for. Even my hobbies, those were always something to live for, to strive for. Whereas religion was just like, you know, be a good person and, and, and attend mass. And, and it was that. So naturally, I just, I just lost interest. I didn't walk away from the faith. I didn't reject it. It was just something one does. But then in university, uh, or right before university, I, I fell in with a group of friends who were attending youth group. What most struck me about them was they were cool and Catholic. And I tell people that was enough to absolutely knock my socks off. I didn't know that you could put those two words together. I thought you had to pick one. And in high school, I was trying so hard to be cool. And the Catholic thing was something on the side. But here are people that are fun to hang out with. They are excellent friends and they're Catholic and they're cool. So I was obviously intrigued and had to get to know these people more. And I met uh, one of the youth group leaders was a university student. And I didn't think anything of it. I met him through a Catholic girl I was dating at the time. And and then that was it. But I went to university one day and uh, my first day, actually, some universities, the first day on campus isn't actually a day of classes. It's like a big, giant clubs day, right? Who knows how many hundreds of clubs are out there. Everyone's trying to recruit members for their new mm-hmm. club. And I heard my name being called by one of the people in the club. I thought I like I went to university anonymous and someone's there calling my name, literally going, Raf, Raf, get over here. Mm. And I look, and it's this youth group leader that I had met months before while in high school. And he's like, listen, I'm doing this Bible study thing. It's called a faith study, and I want you in it. And my Catholic guilt, if you want to call it that, said, ah, you know what? Like, I guess I should do this. Like, this probably looks good on a resume. So I joined. I joined. And to my surprise... Two of the other members in this group, one of them was a friend I had met through that girl that I had been dating. So I already knew him, already knew the leader, of course. Mm. And the third person was a friend of mine who would go on to enter seminary at the same time as me and who still is my friend today. So it's like this crazy little God bringing all these people together. And I don't remember much about that faith study, but I remember that it gave me an experience of community and friendship that I had never known was possible. I look back now and I know that is why we say that the Holy Spirit is the one who truly unites us. Like there is a bond where the Holy Spirit is present that is so much deeper than even like the bond of common interest or friendship Mm -hmm. naturally. And so that brought me into the church once again. Like I call that like chapter two of my life. Mm -hmm. And it culminated in adoration one day where I hadn't yet made a decision to live for Christ but I looked around at my friends and these people I respected, these leaders, and they were all living something that I knew I didn't have. And it really bugged me. And some personal decisions I was making in my life were actively leading me further and further away from God, despite the good memories I had just a few months before from this faith study. And 
I just, I honestly remember very distinctly one day it was on a retreat. I just cried out in prayer. I just was like, God, like, please, please. I am so miserable now. I am, I'm, I'm just caught in sin. And I just, are you real? I know you're real Lord, but what's, what's this thing? Everything has, they call it a relationship with you. What is it? And uh, I'll never find words to describe it. But in that moment, there was a very, very strong felt sense that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior knew me. Like, it's almost like he flashed like a vision of my entire life before me, not in terms of details, but just like from your birth to now, Raphael, I know you, like I've known you, I am with you. Mm. Do you want to be with me? And again, all this in like a flash of an instant, like I just don't know. And so I, I just said, absolutely. And I came home from that retreat and the typical post-conversion or reversion kid, if you want to call it that, I'm like late, I don't know, 19 or 20 or something. And I'm just telling my parents all about, yeah, it was great. We had adoration. And then we did this and then we did that. And my parents are just sitting there like, oh yeah, okay. Okay. I don't know what, what they do over in uh, Victoria where this retreat happened, but yeah, okay, sure. Good for you. Supportive, but obviously wondering why I was so happy all of a sudden. And I just went on this, like, it must've been two or three months where I just couldn't get enough church stuff. Sign me up for all these faith studies. Sign me up. Like I go to my own parish. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Want me to teach prep? And they're like, well, maybe you should like <laughs> develop your faith a bit more. Like this is all very new, but you know, the enthusiasm was there and it was exciting. And, and from there, I would just say over the next few years, it just felt that Christ was gently inviting me to take one more step closer to him. Um, I, I am very careful to say that I felt Christ inviting me to seminary because when he invited me to seminary through a conversation I was having with the priest, there wasn't the sense that he was inviting me into the priesthood. That wasn't clear yet. Mm -hmm. Just as when at that adoration on retreat, it wasn't clear like what Christ was inviting me to. He was just, again, inviting me like, be with me, mm -hmm. be with me, Raphael. And being with me, I, I want you to be with me here through seminary. And so that was, that was really my seminary journey of six years of, of just little, little, steps trying to respond to the invitation to grow closer to him to the point where you naturally hit a crossroads. I'm coming to the end of my seminary studies and I now have to discern whether Christ is calling me to take the step towards him into holy orders or to take the step closer to him out of seminary. Cause that's a legitimate option. We really don't hear enough of like God calls people out of seminary as well. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was, wow. It was actually about literally a year ago. It just became very, very clear that Christ, that, that same invitation he offered at adoration here, it was about 10 years later, him just saying, will you follow me once again into priesthood? It, like I have to use the word invitation. There was zero compulsion. It was the perfect invitation where I felt 100% completely free to respond. And I responded happily. And then a pandemic happens and everything I thought I knew <laughs> is thrown out the window. Mm. Like for those first few weeks of the pandemic, everything's different. We're no longer at seminary. We're all like living in our parents' basements, literally. <laughs> I found myself repeatedly recommitting myself to that invitation. 
Yeah. So I have, oh my gosh, I have utmost sympathy for anyone who's had any difficulty with their vocation and their discernment to anyone who is in a position where you've made the choice to take steps towards the discernment of a vocation. And now you're finding it 10 times harder than when you didn't even care. <laughs> um, that's me. That's me. And I think of some good friends I have from seminary who are now in, in uh, either uh, married or in holy orders who they were just like, no, this is it. God's called me to be a priest. Like, I just, I'll just do this seminary thing for six years or God's called me to get married. Like I'm going to, I'll leave seminary tomorrow and give this girl a call. And like, it's just so clear. And then for me, there's just mm. the daily teeter totter and the emotions that go with <laughs> it. And uh, my, <laughs> you know what? It, I've come to experience an incredible joy, which survives underneath the daily troubles. So just like I thought you couldn't be Catholic and cool. I'm realizing now that there is a joy and a peace that can actually coexist, if you will, with the daily difficulties, the daily struggles, whatever they may be. Like this joy and this peace that Christ gives goes so much deeper than the measure of a day. If it's a good day, if it's a bad day, like, yeah. So thanks for that question. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wish I had more yeah. of like an elevator pitch, like here are the three key <laughs> points of my vocation, but no, no, sorry. <laughs> I just want to thank you for mm -hmm. your openness and sharing that. Um, I never tire of hearing vocation stories. But one of the things that I quickly wrote down just as you were speaking was the fact that, you know, you said that sometimes the misconception is that people are born knowing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what I find like just so paradoxical about that is that for us, we spend our entire lives trying to figure out who we are and kind of get to know ourselves more. But I guess it's like on secular terms, it's very surface. It's like, okay, like, what am I? Am I a business person? Am I an athlete? Am I a podcaster? Am I none of those things? Like, what am I really? And then for you to share that very intimate encounter that you had with God, where he just shows you like in a flash, this is your life. And I've known you from the beginning of your life to the time that you will pass. Like, I know you and that is enough. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. All of the knowledge that we try and seek on our own will never live up to how he knows us. And that is just so incredible. Mm -hmm. It's one of those weird, like, trippy mind things. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, God knows us. But it's true. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And there's such a rest, like a spiritual, deeply felt soul rest that comes with that. You know, God's got this. It's, yeah. Thank you for that, Rachel. Yeah. One of the things that struck me, well, like I said, the whole thing really struck me. But like you said, it was a constant invitation not to priesthood at first. It was an invitation to just be with him. You're not being invited necessarily to a destination, but it's more so that you're being invited to an ongoing relationship, or at least that's kind of what it sounds like. But I was wondering if you could elaborate a little more on that. Absolutely. Uh, well, first, I think you said it perfectly right there. Like, we're not invited to somewhere, we're invited to someone. A lot of the things recently that are kind of flown around in my mind are things that the monks and priests who formed us in seminary, they would say it all the time and you would just go, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And then now, only now, years or months later, it makes sense. Kind of like, I hate to say it, but when you, you know, you go back to your parents as an adult and you go, yeah, you were right about that. Like, I get what you were saying. So I find myself in the same situation. And one of those things that they said is, 
um, they kept saying, there's no vocation. Gentlemen, like they're, they're speaking to us seminarians, lose from your mind this idea that there's a vocation. There is only the relationship, the invitation, and your response to that. And that response we call a vocation. Mm. Like when I sit with that now, I go, I get it. But at the time, you're going, Father, stop muddying the waters. I just got to figure out like, look, am I going to get married or am I going to be a priest? Like, come on, I'm on a tight schedule here. I'm like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and you're just making it difficult and you're using this flowery mm. language. But now I look back, I go that it's absolutely true. There is no vocation, quote unquote. Mm. There's only the response to the invitation of relationship. And that is what we call vocation. Mm. And that's true, whether it is, an invitation to God through marriage, through holy orders, through religious life, through consecrated virginity, whatever it is, all of those are our response to God's proposal. Mm-hmm. So I hope that, mm-hmm. that kind of sheds some light on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think what you said about um, how people can feel like they have a certain timeline that they have to achieve, like what you were saying about Am I going to get married or am I going to enter religious life or am I going to be single for the rest of my life? For some reason, everyone just wants to grasp at this answer. And um, I really appreciate how you were talking about how it's a relationship. It's more of a journey than it is a destination, like what we were talking about earlier. And I was just wondering, like, what helped you get to that point? Like, what advice would you give for those that are kind of figuring things out still? Like, I know for myself, I'm still figuring things out and I'm sure you are as well. Um, But what have you learned? In your time. Yeah, thanks, Emmy. First off, I just got to say to, again, to anyone who's in that position of earnestly trying to follow God's will and just meeting all these seeming roadblocks, it is a painful place. Honestly, it's a painful place. I'm sorry to say. And I had the benefit of, I look back now on a series of, I can't even call them setbacks. At the time, they looked like setbacks, but now, Looking back, I see how they were playing into God's preparation for the direction he wanted to, to, to lead me into. So I guess I remember uh, after my first year of university, it was very, very clear that I hated my program and that the minor studies that I, like the electives I were taking were far more interesting. And so I transferred from uh, you know pure sciences into uh, humanities, specifically into English lit. And I loved it. And uh, I was the first time where I remember going to school and looking forward to going to school. And like, what am I going to learn today? This is awesome. I had never experienced that. But what that did practically is it meant that my degree would take longer. And the amount of like forcing myself to tell myself it's okay if I graduate in five years or four and a half instead of four like that, that at the time was very difficult because you look at all your friends and they're on track for their career and they're going to graduate in May and you're lucky if you graduate May in the next year. And it was difficult. So there was that obstacle to overcome. And then the other one was, of course, well, is God calling me to seminary? Because there's the, the realization that you have to be all in with this because if God calls me out of seminary, I'm not, there's not like some fallback option to some career I'll just fall right back into. And you're kind of starting from scratch in a sense. And it was these progressive stages that God was showing me that what seemed like setbacks were him showing me that his timing is the best timing. It's not a lesson that I could learn 
all at once. It took many, many years and I'm still kind of learning it. But the biggest thing I think that really taught me to follow God's timing was the pandemic. Because when the pandemic hit, first of all, I was convinced to be over in a couple of weeks, like many of us were. And then when that was clear that it wasn't, there was just this deep resentment of like, why, why now? Almost like I'm holding up to God, like, look at all these awesome things that were going on until March, 2020. What the hey? And then it, it started to occur to me, probably not until the fall 2020. And this is uh, here in Vancouver, we had the Upper Room Conference and we had Father John Ricardo and he kept saying, yeah, that refrain in one of his talks, he just kept saying, you were made for this. You were made for this. You were born for this time. Mm-hmm. And it just clicked. I go, God knew that every single one of us alive today would be alive during a global crisis, Mm -hmm. meaning our holiness, our vocation, all of it is not going to happen in spite of it. It's going to happen because of it. And when I reflected on that and finally brought that to prayer, I just realized that maybe what seemed like delays at the time were God shifting things around in my own life and in your life as well, so that now we would be invited to holiness to bring the fullness of the gifts we have been given and apply it to this time. And so while I can honestly tell you the many things I don't like about what's happening right now, I'd be lying if I said I'm not convinced that God is in this because I am convinced. I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it in faith and I believe it in, in what he's shown me as well. And yeah, but, but thank you. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, just the fact that nothing is random. Because I think when I was growing up as a kid, I, I kind of thought that, oh, you know, I think it was maybe a teacher that was just like, yeah, like, you know, we just kind of showed up in, in different places and, you know, your parents, they met wherever and then you were born somewhere and she just made it sound like it was a lottery. Oh, no. <laughs> and I don't want to overlook the fact that, yes, for us to be born in this part of the world, in a place that is like, you know, relatively safe, we can freely practice our religion. It is probably like winning the best lottery of all time. So I don't want to overlook that. Mm-hmm. But having said that, just this idea that really, you know, where our parents met, where they ended up arriving or settling and where we were born in the time that we were born. I, I remember being at the Upper Room Conference as well and just kind of realizing, like just going back like generations after generations, none of this is random. And even still, like, you know, as we kind of journey through the Bible, like Deacon Raph, you had preached recently about uh, the the wonderful podcast that is Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year. Mm-hmm. And even there, things were not random. He set things up and he knew that there will be people that, you know, mess up. He knew the sins that people would commit. And yet he continually, faithfully loved these people and he still chose them even though he knew that, yeah, there's going to be some shortcomings, but he's still able to make like beautiful things out of that. And I I do begrudgingly sometimes, but more and more, I'm starting to see that, yeah, like this situation that we're all in is not random. You know, we're meant to be here together. And also the fact that if we allow ourselves to be open to it, he will bring beautiful things out of it. And I, I think it's so contrary to what the world like the secular world says to us. But at the same time, we have the hope of Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. We know that he's coming back. And yeah, it's just, it's only if you believe in Jesus Christ um, that you would have that hope, that you would even dare say that there is hope in a world right now that is so hopeless. 
Beautiful. Beautiful. As you're saying that, I'm just reflecting again on like the, yeah, when we look at all what's, what's going on right now in the early part of 2021, and there's a way in which we can see it. And I think we should see it as an invitation to faith. Like the normal crutches, if you will, where believing in Jesus might've been easier are removed. And so it is a true act of faith to look at all the difficult things going on and say, and like you said, Rachel, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is real. And Jesus is here. Like it's, (laughs) we are actually exercising our baptismal at our baptism when we were infused with the theological virtue of faith, hope, and charity, Mm. at least faith, if not the other two as well, is, is actively being exercised. And I would say flourishing in this time. If we let it lay dormant for much of our lives, like right now, anyone who is choosing to live as a Christian in early 2021 is actually really putting faith into action. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's about it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Rachel. Like some stuff to take, uh, take away from me. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it so cool though? Like to think about it holistically, how the Lord has gotten this, like when we were talking about how he has it all planned out and that and like, we don't really need to worry about anything anymore when you think about it that way. It's just like the enemy is just trying to like break us down to think that the Lord is unjust and making us think that we can't trust him. And it sucks because we can fall into that because we're weak and we're sinful and we're human. But all in all, like what we were talking about, like Jesus is so good. Like God is so good. Like he is right beside us. He's journeying alongside us and he's never going to leave us alone. And I can feel him in this conversation alone too. Like, I like, I'm just so down to just like, listen, but like, wow, like Jesus is so good guys. I'm just, (laughs) yeah. Thank you. God bless for that. That beautiful little testimony there. No, it's, we need that reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's so clear that we're not talking in platitudes here. Like you're speaking from Mm -hmm. the heart of a believer Mm -hmm. and it's just beautiful. So thank you. Thanks, Emmy. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of difficulty right now. And even I find myself feeling really stagnant or just feeling hopeless. When will this ever end? And I think it maybe comes back to something that you mentioned earlier, Deacon Raph, about the timelines and, you know, seeing other things take off for people in the midst of everyone's kind of, you know, hitting a pause. And when I feel like nothing is moving um, and yet you see other people kind of moving on or doing whatever it might be, it can feel like, God has either abandoned us or he's just kind of put us on pause. It's kind of like, you know, he's watching multiple TV shows and he's like, I'm just going to put Rachel's program on pause for a little (laughs) bit and I'm just going to focus on some other programs and kind of catch up what's going on there. What I've come to really try and like wrestle with is just this idea that, you know, God has been saying to me constantly in prayer recently, he's like, Rachel, girl, stay in your lane. It's fine, Mm. you know, and Mm. like, you know, don't even worry about Mm. where I'm going to take you, Mm -hmm. but just keep going like one step in front of the next, in front of the next. And I'm just like, Lord, I didn't know you spoke like that. But also, (laughs) okay, that's that's beautiful. You know, we just have to keep our eyes like fixed on him. We just have to move towards him and, you know, he will make it happen. And certainly I think, you know, to your point, Emmy, usually it's our own worries, our own roadblocks that kind of we create our own stumbling blocks and that sometimes is the issue. 
I love that. It, yeah, thank you. An illustration of just the God who knows us. Mm. I don't think he'd say that to me. Girl, stay in your lane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, like praise God for that because God knows each of us. Even the words he chooses to speak to us with are just so, we the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Mm. But as you're speaking to, I'm reminded of, you kind of hinted at it, but like you said, I mean, we're putting these roadblocks up, but I think we also have to remember there is an enemy as well. Mm. And perhaps there is freedom in acknowledging that sometimes it isn't me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I am actually doing everything. Sometimes I'm actually doing everything. And there is someone who hates me more than I could ever even comprehend who is, I'm trying to find an analogy. I, I like to cycle. So I'm thinking of someone's throwing nails on the bike path, throwing down some nails. They're going to pop your tires and, and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in all seriousness, like it's a combat. And so, yes, we need to stay vigilant about the obstacles we're putting up. But, but please, please, please remember too, sometimes it's not you. It's not your fault. It's not always your fault. That's so comforting. Like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> like, how often do we fall into our own like thoughts and minds mm-hmm. and we're just like digging into thinking that like, did I do something wrong? <laughs> like, did I do something wrong along the way in my journey? Like, was it me? Like, sometimes it is. Like, sometimes we did something. But you're right. Like, there is an enemy that hates us more than anything and doesn't want us to fulfill the will that God has for us. And I remember I was reading once, I don't know where, but the devil also has a will for us and they're fighting Mm -hmm. to which Mm -hmm. one we're going to choose. And it's like a constant battle. It's a constant war. And we can't forget that we're in this war. We have to be, like you say, stay vigilant, stay active, proactive, and keep our faith, keep our trust in God. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Someone said to me once that the devil is so attuned and good at just speaking multiple languages and not like, you know, English, Spanish, (laughs) French, whatever, like literally taking on Mm. kind of our own mannerisms and the way that we talk, the lies that we tell ourselves, or maybe we kind of take on or absorb from the world. And he's so good at taking that and somehow transforming it into our voice. And I think that's always like the difficulty when it comes to, you know, discerning spirits and just trying to listen to like, okay, is this me that's saying that out of like fear or distress? Or is that really like the devil? Because he's so good at twisting. Like we know he's the father of lies and he just twists and twists and twists and just is kind of like, yeah, like I'm going to speak this lie. And I've never heard that before. I mean, like just the fact that he has a will for us, but man, that's like the, the most epic arm wrestling battle. I think I've seen that photo on social yes. media before where God and the devil are arm wrestling. And I'm like, wow. It's like, like, like for God to win or something. Do you oh, yeah. <laughs> Send up more yeah. likes to heaven. <laughs> it's like scroll past if you're... <laughs> oh gosh. But it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like just this theme that we've really been circling on, um, which I love is that he knows us so intimately And he will go to battle for us. Like he will fight. He will take up all of the likes just to win that arm wrestle battle. But even then, like he knows our shortcomings. He knows our difficulties. And he knows our pain because he too experienced that pain. And I think that that's something that we tend to overlook. It's like, oh, well, God is so far removed from my pain. He doesn't, he can't possibly understand like what I'm going through. I remember a priest who said to me once, he's just like, Rachel, remember, he sacrificed his only son for you. 
And mm-hmm. even if you were the only person on this earth, he would do it again and again and yes. again. I was like, yes. oh, yes. Father, forgive yes. me. I heard that too. Like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it remarkable or mm-hmm. maybe not sad, but I'm trying to find the word for it. But we live in the daily reality of these crazy truths that are so good we can barely believe them and so quickly we just fall into like not believing them like yeah 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 god died for me okay cool like what's next like no pause 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 sit in the reality of (laughs) everything we've been given i remember um one thing uh, one activity we would do in seminary so uh this is under the category of human formation which is it's a fancy word for just taking like our natural tendencies and all that and trying to bring them to Christ. And uh, one activity we had to do is it began with that scripture passage of St. Paul, where he says, bring all thoughts captive to Christ. And what this mm-hmm. formator, this uh, professor was encouraging us to do is to write down throughout the day, almost like the little taglines you live your life by. Something happens to go, yeah, yeah. And that's just who I am or something like that. Or the, he says it's, it's very, very difficult because these are the words that are like almost the computer code that we are living by. But mm-hmm. to take that thought captive means you literally write it down. You go, okay. So you, eventually after several days, you have a list of the things you daily say to yourself, the voice inside you says, and then you can actually pray with this list and ask God to sift through it. Be like, which one are my thoughts? Which one are the devil's thoughts that he's implanted in there? Where's the truth that started off as a true good thing, like a desire to be holy and root out some sin, yet the devil's twisted. And so we, we, had, we do this exercise and it was just this, if we have the patience to do it, it's this amazing thing where you are literally, again, to use a computer analogy, you are rewriting the code that your heart mm. operates on. You are, re, you are redeeming the code for Christ or rather Christ is redeeming it for you. And it's just this like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about discernment of spirits, spiritual warfare, stuff like that. And it, it comes down to these tiny, tiny, tiny little things, these little agreements, these little arrows, whatever you want to call them, but it's a noble fight and God's given us all we need really. Yeah. And, and maybe just as we wrap up this portion of the conversation Maybe what is one thing that you would like for folks to pray with, just in light of everything that we've talked about? Because, yeah, we've traveled far and wide with God's love, His intimacy that He calls us to, the relationship that He has with us. And, like, kind of that opposite side where it's like there is a real enemy that wants to take away from that. So long as we're on the side of heaven, it's always going to be a battle. So, yeah, something to pray with as folks maybe leave this conversation. I had some stuff written down, but the invitation to what do I think our Lord is calling me to share? You're probably doing better than you think in the spiritual life. You are pleasing God more than you give yourself credit for. I think there is a spirit of discouragement that is active right now. A spirit of Like we said, someone who is trying to tell you that you are not doing enough, that you didn't, you didn't use all the opportunities you were given enough, but to everyone who is earnestly striving to live a holy life is 
earnestly, earnestly, earnestly trying to hear God in the midst of daily everything, I think you are pleasing God. I know you are pleasing God more than you give yourself credit for. We are so quickly falling into just the, the little discouragements of the devil, a series of small discouragements throughout the day. And before we know it, we're, we're questioning if God is even there. You please God more than you think. And he loves you more than you know. And you are walking the path of holiness more than you give yourself credit for. I think that's the, the exhortation I want to share. As a disclaimer, I don't think it needs to be said that for all of us who are aware of sin in our life, like, and we have a name on that sin and we know exactly where it pops up, of course, root that out. But in general, in the way we carry ourselves in the spiritual life, I, I think you, you are pleasing God more than you give yourself credit for. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Praise God. Yeah. Because how often do we tell ourselves the opposite? So oh. thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And so as we end this episode, uh, as you know, Deacon Ralph, we like to end it with a very special question. Uh, what's on your heart? So we won't let you go first since you're a guest. Uh, Rachel, are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm okay. ready. What's on your heart, girl? Okay. Mm. I started listening to that Matt Mahard song, Run to the Father. I'm just kind of praying with it. And the other day, I just found myself like, I was listening to it on the way home. I was so close to getting home. And I was just like, I'm just going to keep driving. And I think I listened to it like five times, like just on repeat. And I'm just trying to like let the words sink into me. I'm like, huh, you know, the just how beautiful it is that at any point we can run and we should, we should run to him because he's our father he knows us so intimately and he loves us just everything that we've been discussing today but how often do i run to other things there are so many other places that i run to first before i even consider running to the father and most of the time the things that i do run to usually will you know judge me or because they're human things they're not perfect and I'm not perfect. Um, so why don't I run to my father who is perfect? Anyway, so it's just been a beautiful thing. Just like many tears have been shed just listening to that song. But man, I'm, I'm just so moved by that. That's what's on my heart today. Emmy, turn it over to you. Funny enough, mine is actually also a song. Um, around the same lines. So this one is from, I had to Google it just to make sure, um, Stephanie Gretzinger. So the song is No One Ever Cared For yes. Me Like Jesus. Mm. I saw it <laughs> like on Instagram from one of my friends. So I listened to it and it has spoken to me so deeply and I really want to sing it one day just because it's such a beautiful like love letter almost to really think about how um, how much God loves you uniquely as you. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need you to change or to be who, be who you're not meant to be. Like, he just cares for you as who you are. And that is such a beautiful gift to be accepted as you um, without restraint or without limitations. Like, he just loves you. And that's it. Like, there's no, there's no comma. It's just period. Like, he just loves you. And that's wow. scary to think about, right? He, it's scary to think about. But wow. no one's ever cared for me like Jesus. And it's in my heart. And he's, he's so present. So yeah, Deacon Ralph, what's on your heart today? Well, well, first of all, Rachel and I mean, that, that's, that's just beautiful. 
again, we're, we're recording this. Uh, we see each other through Zoom and just a lot of head nods, a lot of <laughs> hand waving. It's great. <laughs> what's, what's on my heart? Not a song, but I really feel that the Lord has put on my heart families in the sense that, yes, there are many people discouraged, but every day I just want to preach a word of hope. But I find that the Lord is really directing me to families in the sense that almost what we just kind of prayed about earlier, like families are doing so much to raise kids to serve the Lord in a time when it is so dang difficult. Parents are just doing so much to sacrifice for the love of their kids. And it, it breaks my heart to think that these parents would think they're not doing enough. They are doing so much and yet they go to bed each night absolutely discouraged and defeated. And it makes me so sad. And it's just such a courageous thing to be a parent and to choose to live for Christ. Those two things, to be a spouse and to be a parent and to be a Christian. You put all those things together and it's it's just a battle. And I don't mean to preach. I just mean to share like what's what's really, really on my heart. Like I just want to tell every single one of these parents, you are doing so well. And you mean more to your kids than you will ever know. And in this time when it gets harder and harder to be a Christian, remember that no one has authority, a spiritual authority like you do. I could preach the best homily of my life, a hundred out of 10. And it is nothing, nothing compared to just the bond of a child that looks up to his parent. They are God, like God gave you the grace to be parents he called you to it and you are oh my gosh sorry this is this could go on forever i I just i just want to say to to all parents please keep it up please 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 you are truly doing god's work by raising a family and by sacrificing and it is a beautiful thing so thank you on behalf of you know the rest of the church thank you i yeah i don't know why it's just parents and in particular it's just really struck my heart recently again thanks for that question Thank you so much, Deacon Raphael, for just being with us today, for sharing your heart, for pondering out loud with us. And maybe just before we close in prayer, where can folks find you? If they're not in the Archdiocese, I mean, I think if they're in the Archdiocese of Vancouver, they'll be able to find you somehow. But yeah, how can folks get in touch with you? Uh, I'm terrible at social media. <laughs> but that being said, I've got an Instagram account. I, I intake much more than I output, but uh, I, uh, my handle is at Rafiasco, uh, R-A-F-F-Y-A-S-C-O. Yeah, that handle's been around for a while. I have not updated it. But anyways, you can follow me there on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I, I'd love to, to start a conversation with anyone, keep this conversation going offline. Um, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Yes, and if you'd like to, um, if you please could lead us into a closing prayer. Oh, I'd, I'd be honored to. Yes, of course. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of this time. We thank you for the gift of this friendship. We thank you for the gift of, of Emmy and Rachel all they they bring to serve, bring glory to your name. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit down among us, no matter where we are right now as we listen. 
that the Holy Spirit may break all lies we've agreed to from the devil, that we may be reminded who we are, that we may always be reminded that we are your beloved sons and daughters, but not only that, that we may believe it in the depths of our hearts, that it may be a shield against all the discouragements and lies we face throughout the day, Lord. I ask that you give all listening a grace of understanding your call for them, living it out more deeply and granting them also an abundance of joy as they do so, as they serve you with open hearts, with joy, with laughter, with confidence and with hope. And we ask all this through your only begotten son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. With your spirit. May almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to a Pondering Heart podcast. You can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Pondering Heart Podcast. Join us next time as we continue on our journey to sainthood.